Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 54 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, we're just keeping it slim and trim because a lot of the comic book crew is getting some much-needed vacation in. So I got co-host Matt Aguilar. What up? And producer Jim Viscardi with me. Hello, hello, hello. And we got uh, some things to break down. Uh, it's the end of another week of our quarantine edition, and uh, Comic-Con has come and gone, if you, re- if you remember that. But uh, on the other side of it, we got some new stuff to talk about, some exciting new things. We're going to talk about a cool thing that DC Animation is jumping into that uh, really kind of has been slow building buzz with fans. And so we're going to dip into that. We're going to talk about a new TV series that's also been long in the making that is finally happening. We got to get into Marvel's Avengers, the video game once again. It's not done. The drama is not over. We just had another uh, War Table event, some looks at the beta and we've got a real important character that finally is showing up. So we're going to get into all of that. <laughs> Plus, we've got some good, exciting kind of updates for you on the Game of Thrones front. A good uh, zombie horror movie that you should be excited about. And we are going to deep dive a little bit into just a light deep dive into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's final season and what's going on with that. And then we're going to talk some comics, which is why I need these guys with me today. Uh, you guys have been getting a lot of shout outs. People have been saying they could do a whole podcast of just you two talking about or more arguing about comics, but, uh, <laughs> like, it's so nice. Uh, yeah. So we're going to give you guys a good extended edition of, uh, Jim vs. Matt in a uh, comics edition. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to talk. And we have a special interview. One of the bigger games that came out, I know it seems like forever ago, but it wasn't was final fantasy remake. Uh, one of my favorite games of all time. I know a lot of people and staff felt the same way and we have gotten to do interviews with the voice cast. And so today, we are going to bring you the voice of Aerith, Brianna White, and uh, Matt got to sit down with her and have a nice interview. So we're going to talk about bringing one of the most iconic games back for the modern age, among other things. So be sure to stay tuned at the end of our episode for Matt's interview with Final Fantasy VII Remake cast star, Brianna White. Boop-boop. All right, let's jump into some news. First up, I told you that there was a kind of cool DC movie or animation kind of venture they're getting into. And uh, they're taking their flagship character, who is, of course, the Batman. And basically, what they're doing is they are... DC Animation is making its own version of Netflix's Black Mirror Bandersnatch, the interactive movie experience. And they're doing it with Batman. And they're making Batman Death in the Family, which is, of course, the famous 1980s 
storyline where Jason Todd Robin was uh, brutally killed by the Joker and eventually we know became Red Hood and, and set all of that into motion. And um, this is going to basically take the acclaimed Batman under the Red Hood animated movie, uh, splice it together with new footage about that they are kind of DC animation is creating and turn it into an interactive movie where Batman fans basically get to decide the fate of Jason Todd. Uh, and this is cool because, first of all, I really liked Black Mirror Bandersnatch. That was a really kind of great experience. It just like sitting down on my computer and just like playing that movie and doing and going through the interactive steps was really awesome uh, as a person who grew up on like choose your own adventure books and all that. But I also like it because this is just such a great kind of winking Easter egg to the real 1980s uh, phone, like your phone in vote from DC fans where they got to actually, if you don't know why Jason Todd died, it wasn't like some comic creator came along and was like, <laughs> I just want to do this for the kicks. Jason Todd was kind of a not well-received character. I mean, he was kind of uh, the Damian Wayne of his day, you know, mm -hmm. like early, early on this Batman having this punk kid sidekick uh, version of Robin. What didn't sit well with fans. I mean, this was when before Batman became like, you know, this was before Batman 89 where dark suits and darker tones and dark, dark, dark. Yeah. And Frank Miller was the man and all that. <laughs> like, this was taking shape. So yeah, Jason Todd wasn't loved. And so, they kind of didn't know what to do with him. And so they put together this kind of campaign where they let like fans call this number and vote on what should happen to Jason Todd. And it was actually DC fans who overwhelmingly voted to have Jason Todd beaten with a crowbar and blown up by the Joker. So Oof, in front of his mother. Oh God, <laughs> oh, God. So hurtful. Uh, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. And so this movie is kind of not just telling that famous story, but actually kind of recreating that same experience, um, which I think is both sadistic and funny and cool in, the, in a kind of a <laughs> it's Joker brilliant. way. It's brilliant. Well, I think, but I think also too, it's, it's great because we are, we're so, not we're so far removed from it, right? But it's a thing that everybody, yeah, I mean, like, every, like exactly. Batman fans I had to recap know. it just now because yeah, yeah. people probably I, don't know because the there's, there is changed so much. Yeah, there's like, a wave of fans so that cool do not know and that like, story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I, but, but, like, here's, but like the craziest thing about this is like Jason Todd almost lived. Like the vote was actually, if I remember correctly, was not yeah, was like a blowout yeah. margin. It no, was, no, no, it was, it was pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I drew, I made it dramatic in my telling, but no, it was actually pretty close because, um, and it and so like whatever. I mean, the thing that did happen to him was also controversial for itself. Oh, for sure. Yeah, well, yeah, because they didn't vote on how he died. No, it they was voted whether, he, whether he, he died. So the fact that DC then went, hey. <laughs> let's let's have him hunt think he's found his mother and then let's have him beaten with a crowbar and then blown up in a building and let's Look, let batman find his bloody you can, body you can you can thank thanos creator jim starlin for that one <laughs> but like that's nuts like even the cover to this iconic like see like if you go back and look at the graphic novel now and it has the cover and he's holding it, i'm like it's surreal so yeah, yeah like dc pretty, went above and beyond I mean, it's like Jason's mangled body. that Batman yeah. <laughs> And you and can't see Batman's face is in a shadow. You just see, like, the trauma in his brow. And, like, Batman like, yeah. just gets there in time to, like, see it. Like, everything about this is just, like, you did this, fans, so we're going to do it in the worst way possible. But I love that, 
Like this is such a cool way to acknowledge that at the time controversial, but now just kind of interesting part of DC history. And I love that they, there's multiple sections too. It's not just the death. You can, there's multiple branches in the interactive movie that, you know, I imagine like maybe changes up. Like if he goes and hunts down the Joker, maybe he hunts down, like how he becomes Red Hood. Like all those things I guess are, in flux in this movie but that's super cool i think that's so neat just for some uh, fun trivia when they killed i mean there was such a backlash to uh death in the family and killing off robin that there were articles like published in major publications about it some of them calling being dc like more psychotic than the most fiendish minds in history frank miller said it was the most cynical thing DC has ever done. <laughs> I mean, he's probably not Miller. wrong. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's coming from Frank Miller. Exactly. So just to put that into perspective, like the guy who did year one, the Dark Knight Returns, Sin City was like, whoa, you guys yeah. got to tone he it is, down. He is the yeah. purveyor of grimdark. Yeah, for yeah real. And he was like, you guys are going too far. So yeah, this is, um, is going to be interesting because uh, yeah, this was... It's gonna be interesting to see how modern fans like react to this and in, in doing this because yeah this was the actual comic history and you're kind of bringing up again and it's so funny because of who jason todd is now yeah. and, like, i almost i almost wish that this was on like a streaming service that we could get data on because i would love to see like first watch yeah who what, did, or, what? what are people choosing Kind of like the Telltale games used to do, where it would tell yeah. you, like, here's how many people chose this option. Yeah, that would yeah, actually be I would yeah, love be, to know that. That yeah, would be, be a I mean, ton of fun. Well, this campaign, let's, that'll be a fun... <laughs> we'll just after. have to do, like, a Twitter poll or something. It's no, no, like, like hey, after, let's just campaign DC. Like, afterwards, like, yeah, come on, what was it? Like, who did Oh, what? yeah, that's right, yeah. Let's Release the stats. Release the stats cut. Re- no. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering who would say it first. Um, um, quick question on the trailer, because... Does anyone else like? I don't know how to feel about Batman's voice. It's it's, it's Bruce Greenwood. It, yeah, it just um, didn't sit like I don't know. It wasn't bad. It just was weird. I mean, like I it didn't depends. Love it. Like I mean, it is the same as I'm. I'm pretty sure that's the exact same person who did uh, Under the Red Hood. So it's just the same voice yeah. cast. Um, so it's like Joe DiMaggio, Bender from Futurama is the Joker in this. Uh, yeah, um, Jensen Eccles will be the older Red Hood uh just such a great greenwood yeah Um, so in bruce greenwood and bruce greenwood who's in you know everything but uh yeah he was captain pike in the or yeah in the star trek i think yeah he was uh, for me the thing for me is like i mean he's just he was he came and went i don't think he was somebody we held on to he's not like uh what's his name from uh the the younger jason omara or whatever his name was oh yeah yeah who became like a more regular kind of who i like a lot yeah. actually is that bad, guy yeah. stuck bruce greenwood was in that weird phase where they were trying people and so it and just comes like, off a little like bailey like a little well, like over it, <laughs> overcompensating well, it's like that it's like that and, and like he's trying to also be conroy in a way too yeah where it just it's just a weird Middle it's, a, yeah. it's not bad. I'll still watch it. it. I'll still enjoy it. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't love it. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Neil Patrick Harris is Dick Grayson in this. Jason Isaacs, Ray Ghoul. Um, yeah, Bruce Greenwood. Uh, Bruce Greenwood, it just is that kind of cool, savvy, older guy. But he sounds like he, – so he's kind of like a Clooney-ish Batman, if, if I had to say anything about him. I think the funny thing is, like, didn't Jason – wasn't Jason Isaacs Batman in Under the Red Hood? No, he is – Or was he, he Roz? He was Roz, but he later became oh, Batman in okay. different things too. So mm. like, yeah, he got his shot. So 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, they just tried, like I said, they were trying out people and they found a few like really good ones like Jason O'Mara who kind of stuck and, and stuck around mm-hmm. for that DC Universe one. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't mind that because I, I mean, I have a review somewhere from Under the Red Hood online and I think I went in on Bruce Greenwood back then. I'm not going to rehash that piece now. <laughs> I'm enough. used to it. Like, yeah, it was many years ago. Um, but so I'm just kind of cool to check out that film because I do, I mean, that is one of the favorite DC Universe animated films and to see it and do the interactive way and see the new material. I'm kind of, I'm psyched. For Definitely. That. Yeah. All right, let's move on because we got to talk about something we haven't ever seen before, but have been waiting to see, which is uh, the Tom Clancy video game universe kind of coming to the screen. And finally we are getting our splinter cell project and it's coming to Netflix as a series from John wick writer, Derek Kolstad. So He's busy man. Yeah. I mean, Colstad's <laughs> doing a lot. So, it's going to be already has a two season, 16 episode commitment. So, we're going to be getting a whole story. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and I'm just making sure, yeah, it'll be styled as adult animation, though, another, with no other details. So, it's going to be an adult kind of animation series. So, that's kind of cool, actually. I mean, I dig that. Yeah. Um, I- I don't I think this is one know. you need to do in live action because Splinter Cell is is a mood game, right? Like, yeah, it's all about that mm-hmm. kind of stylized mood and spy action and shadows and all that stuff. And that would be a massive I, pain in the ass to try to film in live action. So I just need to know. I like it as a adult. If Ironside like is in it, is is who is the voice of Sam Fisher? Is it Michael Ironside? Yeah. Because a blacklist aside, which he couldn't do because he was sick at the time, like. He's, he is Sam Fisher, and he still sees himself as Sam Fisher. So, like, if that goes a long way. It's kind of like one of those things, right? It's More Peter Cullen. It's I'm Conroy. Not take, I'm not, you're not telling Michael Ironside no if he wants to. Like, I'm not telling him <laughs> no. No, exactly. I want, like, I want him to, to play that. So they didn't, they didn't talk about it and everything. But, like, Ironside is one of those, like, he's made it very clear in interviews. Like, I am Sam Fisher. There's no other Sam Fisher. I'd be curious because that voice goes a long way. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, like you said, it, I mean, and he is it. And that voice is a major part well, of this franchise. So, well, that's like that's like anytime Transformers gets anyone but Peter Cullen to to voice Optimus. Like, well, it's ask just, for me. It's just wrong. Like, it's, it and it, it's yeah, it's clearly like uh, War for Cybertron does not have Cullen in the part, and like the guy's good. Like he, but he's doing a really good interpretation of peter cullen <laughs> i'd say like not, that's one of the biggest that's different. one of the biggest reasons why i'm like not immediately watching war for cybertron yeah. because that sounds like something right up my alley but i don't know if i can uh break away from the fact that it is not peter cullen doing that voice <laughs> which i know is an absurd reason to not watch that no but i get it because it's so iconic it's so I mean, iconic yeah i, I mean it. there are some people who are just are these characters you know i mean look it's like the batman things right i will still watch it i'll still enjoy it you can get past it but yeah like throughout you can notice that's like he watched, it feels like anyway, I don't know if he did or not, but it does feel like he watched a ton of Peter Cullen Optimus <laughs> Prime and then was like, I'm going to do my best impression of that. So, All right. Well, Splinter Cell, we're getting, I mean, whoever, voices aside, like I said, Splinter Cell is a big mood game. So kind of creating sequences where people get taken out and like crazy, awesome ninja-like spy action with Sam Fisher. It, I think a doll animation. I just wonder what the animation style is going to be like. So do I. But um, I, I need something to fill that void of like Todd McFarlane's spawn. And I feel like this could be something like that. Yeah. yeah. That's immediately what I thought of when, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I heard this. But So I'm looking forward to that. All right.
Moving right along from Splinter Cell, let's talk about Marvel's Avengers. Matt, yeah. why don't you take us through the latest war, war Table event? We got to see some of uh, the beta characters we're going to get, four characters we're going to be able to play. Um, and we kind of learned some more about the game, including, you know, the multiplayer aspect of it. So why don't you take it away? Yeah. Uh, so we got most of the beta details in this trailer. Um, the PS4 will have the first period of of beta starting on the 7th and then the next week it'll kind of hit the other consoles uh, i believe uh xbox one and switch i can't remember off the top of my head if it's switch or that pc gonna, that game's one gonna play two. on a switch i probably not it's probably pc but i can't honestly <laughs> remember uh so yeah we it's it's actually surprising because there was actually a lot of content in the beta so of course much to jim chagrin uh in the slack channel it's going to feature the opening uh, sequence, the tutorial sequence, essentially of the so Golden Gate Bridge. Agreed, because we—that's the yeah, main I mean, thing we've seen like, this whole yeah. time. Yeah, we've um, seen, so that was, but that was the thing me. that was like everyone knew that was going to be in here at some point, and everyone was just <laughs> hoping they would put more and not just, "Hey, play this demo level." The good news is, me Age of Ultron vibes, and I'm like, I don't need to keep <laughs> it. It really does. Yeah, the good news is that that is just one part, so you're actually going to have that sequence. Um, which I can tell you doesn't actually take that long um, to get through. Um, and then yeah, after they that, figured out a way to draw it out for 12 minutes. <laughs> uh, so then after that, you're going to get two hero missions, uh, which are the single player missions with, you know, actual heroes and that progress the story. Uh, one that we saw was uh, Miss Marvel and Hulk are going to be in kind of the South Pacific during a level and they're hunting for Jarvis. Uh, the other one they didn't really touch on yet. Um, but that again, will feature the other two heroes, uh, which are Iron Man and Black Widow. There's four total heroes you can play as uh, in the Warzone missions in the in the beta, which is Hulk, Miss Marvel, Iron Man, and Black Widow. Um, though during the demo level, you will have like everybody that's involved in the demo, so you'll be able to play Thor and Cap and all that. Um, and then you're gonna have multiple Warzone missions that you can play as cooperatively. Those are the ones that you can link up with your friends and have your own armor sets and combos and things like that. Uh, so you're gonna have multiple of those. Uh, there's about, they said there's about 25 minutes of like overall, like if you just blaze through it of content in the beta, but again, you're going to be able to like replay some of those other missions, like up with friends and things like that. So outside of just the story stuff, there is all of that. So it's actually pretty meaty for an opening beta. Um, I'm curious to see if they'll actually like when the beta starts opening up later on, maybe throw a little bit of of extra stuff in there um but it, it was interesting like there's actually a lot to get excited for here um the other big reveal of course that we have to get to uh is hawkeye uh is going to be the first post-launch character for the game yes. um they teased three others as well like people were watching the symbols flip and things like that so hey, it looks like hey, their first hey, round hey. will have three Hey, what? 2020, 2020 is going to be all right, y'all. <laughs> uh, and they He's showed back. off a, I, I will say, they showed off a pretty cool uh, little vignette trailer thing for Hawkeye. We didn't actually see like full on gameplay of him, uh, but the stuff they showed uh, looked pretty cool. And they showed off the character design. I know people are mixed on the character design, but for the most part, people seem to be pretty pumped that like Hawkeye is the one, myself excluded. He is the one. He is Matt. the one to be the first one. He in is here. the one. Uh, yes. So yeah, that's. Uh, they also said that in the beta, you'll have access to three pages of skill trees per character. So you will have some room to kind of start 
picking up different armor, combos, skills, things like that. So there's will you get to carry game. that. Will you get to carry that over when yes. the game starts? Which is great. Okay, but here's the thing about Hawkeye's look, though. I got a problem. No, boy, here we go. I said, I, I segued perfectly. I left that for you to hit out of the park because I knew you weren't a fan. Like, the main base, like, the, the, his look obviously isn't from, like, the neck down is inspired by a number of different Hawkeye looks over the years. From the neck Most, up mostly is, ba- is based off, like, the crew cut, like, really crew cut look is based off a random variant cover to that first issue by Adi Gralov. It is the only time Hawkeye has ever looked like that. And that's the way that that's how he looks in the game. So here's the thing. One, you're more of a Hawkeye expert than I am. So I cannot say I'm guessing that's correct. That it's only, he's only appeared on a variant cover. Um, But I didn't really think this was more like this was about pulling from a particular comic. I mean, this just seems like for all of their character designs, they've kind of gone with this assemblage of different looks. Right. So I don't think they were, I mean, they might've just wanted to go with that haircut and style as is. And then they just pulled more from like the fraction run for the, for the costume, which I did like that you do actually get the fraction costume. Yeah. The concept art shows that, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, like I, Look, I and they seem I, to be insinuating that Pizza Dog is involved in some way because, like, they went you see out of their that way. Graffiti? They went out of their way to make sure <laughs> that, like, they showed comics Pizza Dog. Yeah, and uh, you know, we we will probably have this up on the site uh, by the time you're listening to this. But you know, they're also the whole the fact that like he's got a hearing aid is is a is a thing yeah. that obviously they are paying attention. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So they're, they're pulling from a bunch of uh, different stuff, but obviously the fraction runner has a lot to do. I mean, are you excited though to play as him? I am. I, I, I need a character it, with soul in this yeah. game. <laughs> there needs to be a character with soul. No, but I mean, there's going to be something cool if they're bringing Hawkeye in. I don't think it's going to be lame. Like, Given some of the gameplay mechanics that, I, that I've seen, Hawkeye looks like he could be really interesting to play as um if they do it right and just knowing what crystal dynamics has done with tomb raider i was gonna say like like, there's a lot like there's a lot of hawkeye in Lara croft just in the sense of like the movements of that character and the the bow stuff that that you were able to do in that game so the bow mechanics um, and the bow upgrade skill trees in tomb raider were like phenomenal like even when you could get like some of the shotguns and some of the assault rifles mm-hmm. in that game and later in the campaigns, I would still use a bow. And you had like yeah. 90 bows to pick from, it felt like. <laughs> and they were all a little different. And the, I mean, yes, you're correct. Like if you go back to that, you can see like why they probably wanted to get Hawkeye in sooner oh, yeah. than later. But the bow combat was phenomenal. So, yeah. I mean, I, my, that's the only period that makes me excited. My biggest worry about this game is that it's going to include the same 16 MCU characters that we see in all of these Marvel games, right? Like it's going to be, you'll get, you'll, you maybe will get Dr. Strange and you'll get star Lord, I'm sure. Or like, um, uh, you know, and like, I want like, Dark. this is, this, this is, a, is it? What? Well, yeah. Well, this would be just, it's a cool, it would be a cool opportunity to to dive a little bit deeper in the way that like you know the Ultimate Alliance games has, and I know this game is not Ultimate Alliance, but no, 
It's but not. I but but just at the rate that they're probably going to release characters, it's going to just be a bunch of just you you're starting to nerd out. I mean, I, I, it's it. I, I, yeah, main, I know it's, it's a mainstream game, it's, but it's, I, it's not. It's not I nerdy agree. enough for me. I agree. There is no cardiac. There is no. Dark <laughs> you don't know. Cardiac. You don't know. Like, here's the thing. I think the 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 furthest edge you will get in this game is Moon Knight. I think you'll. There's enough of a. There's enough of a like fan cult like he's the it character well, you know I, kind I of thing you'll get anybody had there not him, you won't had there not have been a disney plus show in the works for moon knight we would not have seen moon oh knight. agree but, but i feel I, like in but the that's last the thing. two years i don't think we're gonna is, yeah. yeah i don't think we're gonna get moon knight till the very end because i would i give you a i bet you a hundred bucks that like they didn't tell square enix and crystal dynamics oh, that, yeah. like oh hey we got Moon Knight coming. You may want but to put it's the it in same, the game. Look, it's the same problem we have with, I mean, like uh, the latest release for all the, all the mobile games that over the yeah. last couple of years, right? Their first chunk of roster is nothing but your MCU heroes. Yeah. Like, that is who you're getting. Marvel Champions. I know, but I feel like same. that's where this game is going to stop. I mean, is, is no, my, I don't think it'll stop there, but it really depends on if, you know, the it depends on how popular it is. Like it, they'll get to those other characters. It's going to take a couple years. If the game is still around or if there's like a still a want for it, we'll see. I mean, yeah, Marvel you're heroes ahead of yourself. You're like trying to yeah. introduce phase five characters in phase one of this game. Yeah. Like Marvel you heroes. Know. You remember that? I just want Ghost Rider, man. <laughs> like you have to go with your, the ones who will sell and the yeah. ones they can market. And these, I mean, as my, I'm a bummer too. Look, I want X-Men. I want yeah, X-Men. I know, that's, that's what I mean. Like, they're not going to put Wolverine in that game. No. <laughs> not for a while. Not for a long time. Honestly, though, the X-Men probably would be their own game at some point. You know what I mean? It's probably not going to bleed over. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just want, you know. I mean, it is looking better. Like, look, let's just get to the kind of overall nuts and bolts. I mean, the gameplay is looking better. It's looking crisper. Um, it's actually looking interesting. This latest kind of gameplay footage is kind of – I mean, it's the best we've seen, and in, in the game is, like I said, overall looking more interesting. Yeah. Uh, getting to play with other people is a, is a good step forward. So I'm kind of interested to see what the beta reactions are going to be. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this could end up still being a game I purchased. So we'll see. Keep your eyes All right. Yeah, we're going to take a break, pay some bills, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some updates on the TV and movie front that we thought we should just uh, throw at you before we deep dive. And what's going on in comics, plus a little check-in with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So stay tuned for all of that. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right.
right, so Game of Thrones. We uh, just recently got the update that the Game of Thrones prequel show, House of the Dragon, is kind of gearing up for production, getting looking at cast, doing all that. But if you don't remember, <laughs> there's still a book series, A Song of uh, Fire and Ice, or Ice and Fire, I forget what it is at this point. But uh, George R. R. Martin is still hammering away at that sixth book. Wind it's coming. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I just thought we'd just mark the milestone that his uh, self-imposed deadline for when he was going to be done with this book last May, he wrote that he was going to be having it in the hands of the when the 2020 World Science Fiction uh, kicked off in New Zealand. And that is today, July 29th. 2020 <laughs> so basically he was uh, supposed to have this thing ready for this convention he boasted about it and he didn't and he actually said let's read with this let's see what he put on his blog since he loves to talk i don't have winds of winter in hand if i don't have winds the winds of winter in hand when i arrive in new zealand for Worldcon, you have here my formal written permission to imprison me in a small cabin on white island overlooking that lake of sulfuric acid until i'm done just so long as the acid fumes do not screw up my old DOS word processor, I will be fine. So I don't think we're putting him in a cabin, but man, like. Well, no one wants to put him in a cabin because they want the book to be finished. What else is he doing? <laughs> I don't know, man. Making like, money. Look, look, I tried to intervene on the behalf of Game of Thrones fans way back. After season one kind of premiered on HBO, I went to Comic-Con and it was one of those meet and greet night events, you know, like in the hotels. And it was a bunch of people. Um, I think we were in, where were we? I think we were in the uh, Bayfront Hilton and yeah, down in the kind of like one of the lounges or somewhere. And it was a bunch of people in there that night and he was one of them. And he was still able to kind of just sit at a table by himself with a publicist kind of in the back because, you know, people were just beginning to, figure out what game of thrones was this was like its first big comic con and yeah people were just kind of getting into it and so i had a chance and i was like oh i got a chance to like chat with him and like even on the record and ask him a few questions and blah 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 so i just kind of like popped into a seat with him and like started talking to him because you know the publicist was like okay i mean i guess he was like it's cool and i was just like yo man one of the things i had just been in grad school for writing and i just was like yo man what are you going to do? Like, what's your plan here? Like this show is kicking up. Like it's getting real popular. I know how long it takes to try to write a novel. Like, what are you going to do? Like literally that was my question on the record. Like, what's your plan? How are you going to get out of this? And he was just like, Oh, I think we have enough time. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> now we'll have this done. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, like sure. And here we are still like, just, what was that? 2000, 2010, 2011, something like 2011. Yeah, my God. <laughs> the point I'm bringing this up for is not to tell that anecdote. It's to ask you a simple question. Do you still care? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I really don't know if I still care. Uh, I mean, he can write something Because it's going to be a different. big book, and I'm just going to be like, ah. I mean, I it can care. be completely different from the show. But, like, I don't remember anything anymore. No. I, I don't remember all that feast of crows and dance of dragons and where. Well, and it's not like I'm going to do a Game of Thrones thing. reread. Yeah, no, you have fans exactly. Who will, and that's though. the point. 
Oh, good for them. They can break it down into a wiki for me. Yeah. And we're going to have some hot articles, comicbook.com <laughs> slash TV, the Game of Thrones. We're going to have some hot Thank articles. Thank you in advance. <laughs> Thank you in advance for all the wiki people. But, yeah, I know, man. I'm not going back into a world of reading about, like, four pages of a feast described and like <laughs> you know i'm not doing that again that was 2010s like um well i was gonna ask actually so as a as someone who just is like doesn't know a lot about game of thrones when was the last book published oh mm-hmm. man so a dance with dragons i'm just curious was published in hello i got it for you right here it was published in June 12th, 2011. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and the previous one, A Feast for Crows. Oh, uh, let's see. It was published in 2005. <laughs> so it took him six years, and it was supposed to be like a quick turnaround. And, and then the span between the fourth book and the fifth book was six years. <laughs> that was quick. No, no, that was it was supposed to be supposed quicker, to be and he was delayed on that because the uh, first uh, the book Storm before that was two thousand, yeah. So yeah, five years, five years. So yeah, I mean, this is his longest gap yet, I think. And the thing is, like, everything has changed now. Like, yeah, oh my god, the first three books were written in ninety six in two year spans ninety six. <laughs> 98, 2000. That was before the money was flowing in, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, the third, because the third book was the, I mean, it was a game changer that really kind of made people go, whoa, because that was like the Red Wedding and all of that. And like, yeah, that got, and like, yeah, Josh. And all of a sudden they kept, yeah, <laughs> kept so, expanding. Yeah. And it kept expanding. And the fourth book was just a mess and like tried to do some whole different story. Like, and, and people were, yeah, it got nuts. It got nuts. But yeah, he just, I mean, the money comes in and this is what happens to all writers. And why I love this story is like, everybody's a writer until something comes in, the money comes in for anything else. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're like, Oh, I could do something else. All right. Like, yeah. Writing is really a desperation profession. So (laughs) you just got out of it and he moved on and there we go. But uh, yeah, I don't care anymore, man. Like the world, I mean, and after this year, like, yeah, I does your story even make sense to me anymore? Like, is it even going to be even relevant? Like, we uh, should have like a, a Duke Nukem Forever award for things like this, <laughs> so we can assign it. Be like the new Razzies. Be great. Wow, yeah, that'd be great. Oh man, so keep plugging away. Maybe at next year's. I mean, at least he could just have the out be like, "Well, I wasn't going to make it to New Zealand, coronavirus, and you know." Yeah, that should have been – you should be done. You should have been he done. He better not use that as an excuse. No, because that's, that's the only excuse for that is you should have been done. Like, yeah. You've, been I mean, you, you've literally I had really nothing else, else to, to do. do. <laughs> exactly, yeah. All right. Well, George R. R. Martin, man. We I, love you, man. Sometimes I wish we were Jesus and Marrow and just like not of the geek universe. So <laughs> I've had choice words for that. But uh, moving right along, uh, a PSA I thought would be uh, good to tell you is that uh, the train, of course, I didn't put a link in here because I'm so responsible, but the train, we talked about Train to Busan, the Korean film zombie horror movie. Um, It had a sequel, and we told you that was happening. Uh, It's called Peninsula, and it's getting a U.S. release date. So this was good to kind of put on your radar. It's coming to U.S. theaters on uh, August 21st, when most theaters are going to be trying to reopen. Obviously, we've just been having discussions that this is not necessarily 
a return to theater date for most people. But again, these are kind of just formalities. It's expected that this will probably have a quick turnaround to video on demand and services like that, which would be really cool because uh, Train to Busan, if you don't remember, was this kind of great Korean zombie horror film that came out a couple years ago and kind of, it's on Netflix, I believe still, mm-hmm. and gained popularity. And we just recently did a, like a quick review of it. And it's just about uh, the a onset of the zombie apocalypse in Korea as these people are boarding this high-speed train to another province of Korea. And they basically have to survive on this train. So a zombie horror on the train. It was cool. So now this, is, this sequel takes place later, and it's on a thing called Peninsula. It's a movie called Peninsula, so you can probably let your imagination run with what's going to be happening uh, in this one. So... It's going to be on video on demand and in theaters. I mean, it's going to be in theaters late August and then probably on video on demand early fall. Keep an eye out for that because that is some great new content coming your way. So that's just a quick PSA. More content. Shout out, Janelle. Yeah, Janelle Wheeler. More content. Yeah, and if you haven't, go check out Train to Bouchon if you like zombie horror because, man, that is a crazy good movie. All right. So deep dive time. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I also just wanted to check in. I uh, wish Jamie Jarek was here because she's our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. expert. But I just wanted to say, if you guys aren't watching that, I mean, it's on Hulu and services like that after it airs. Uh, you should be. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is in its final season, and it's actually doing a really good job in its final season. They had this kind of time travel story arc where they were in the past and trying to make their way back into the present and kind of correcting these, you know, Terminator-like robot people for messing with Marvel history. And I was kind of worried when the season started, it was going to be like very gimmicky, just costume period dramas every week. But um, it turned out to be really good. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is doing its thing in its final season. They've actually told some like really good dramatic stories. They've done interesting things with the characters. I mean, even like Coulson being a robot, they've managed to make interesting. There's some stuff they've done with even Agent May to kind of boost her up and give her kind of like a power upgrade. That's kind of cool. But uh, a lot of the character they've done like a lot of great character focused episodes, like with Mac and Yo Yo, and uh, Chloe Bennett even had some great scenes, and even bringing back like Agent Carter's Agent Souza, like and stuff like that. And they've woven together some even some interesting Marvel history points that they're kind of playing with Hydra and that whole thing. And uh, yeah, so I've been really kind of psyched about what Agents of Shield has done, and. And I hate to admit it, all the period stuff they've done has actually been really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like they've just even gone to the 1920s or 30s and like Mac trying to deal with like living in a world of like a crazy racist world or things like that. Or the girls, um, these very kind of powerful modern women like trying to deal with like the times back then or, or playing that up and giving the actress, you know, fun things like seeing uh, Ming-Na Wen getting to do like a kind of faux girly 19 like 50s housewife type thing like that kind of stuff it's been a lot of fun uh yeah and so even in deke doing the 1980s like uh the adventures of mac and d and the d was like a great episode where they got stranded in the 1980s for a couple years while the because the ship was like time jumping and it's about just and it's after a powerful kind of twist where mac is kind of really down and broken it's about this weird episode with him and d kind of becoming friends and then they're like yeah it's just a lot of fun and i'm actually going to miss marvel's agents of shield i think when it's it's when it's gone it's that show that like when it's gone you're like ah i don't really care about marvel's agents of shield but then it comes back and you're like i actually like that every week it's kind of the little show they could basically i mean it's i mean mean, this season has been a lot of fun but i would say like the last two seasons have really like been been good and it's just so crazy because the finales for the last two seasons 
really could have been it. And so like, I'm really curious now to see how they, they ended up, which of course will just be uh, a camera shot panning up from Coulson's head and the whole thing was to <laughs> You're still on this. Every wow. time. Wow. Every just time. Trolling. Wow. Trolling. We got to have Jim back on, though, when the finale actually the entire comes up. show is Tahiti. So he can either celebrate or we can give him crap. Yeah, we'll <laughs> give him the shame. But uh, no, I mean, and one of the craziest things, and I've said this before, is just like the character and, and actor evolution on the show has been like pretty, pretty nuts. Like, at this point, this cast is just like so good at like doing this and playing this and mm-hmm. actually delivering like really, really great and even deep and powerful stuff that, uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, and even the new people they've gotten as like the villains and the various Hydra kind of members, have, they've been all really good. And so, yeah, I'm digging in the, in the robot people are freaky and the kind of 80s slasher, <laughs> slasher horror episode they did with like the kind of twisted short circuit they, they did was, was pretty awesome. Um, and they had like blood and guts and people getting shredded by bud sauce. Like it was pretty nuts. So it just, has been a lot of fun. Like I said, it's on Hulu and stuff. Uh, check that out and check out the final season. Cause it's, it's worth watching. All right. Let's get into some Comax. All right. Comics. Let's talk it. Uh, where do you guys want to start? You want to start? I guess we'll just have like one DC thing. So let's talk about Batman and this Joker war kickoff. Yeah, because we, we have a couple books, right, that, like, we haven't had the chance to talk about in a couple of weeks because, like, either you were gone or I were gone. And, and it's just been so. confusing about what the hell is coming when because everything's just trying to catch up from yeah. coronavirus delays. And then all of a sudden I check Comixology and there's, like, 50 things I have to read now. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. come on. Yeah, like, it was, like, two weeks ago. There was all of a sudden it was just, like, everything hit on a week that typically my reviews are kind of spaced out. And then everything collided on the same Wednesday. So all of a sudden I had like 12 things. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, so yeah, so Batman 95 is the start of Joke Award. Did everyone have a chance to kind of read? And what did you think? I did. I'll let I did. Um, it, it's kind of like a weird jump from his dark designs, which, you know, I really, I really loved. Uh, not because of anything bad, but it was just, it just felt like different in tone and it wasn't so much like a worry type of thing. Like I thought it'd be a little bit hitting the ground running a little bit harder for me. Um, but I, it set the stage in a nice way, I guess. Like it it just kind of showed where this could be going and some of the kind of twisted things Joker's doing, like he's pulling a wire with the vacants, you know, the wire the yeah. story with the movie theaters and the, and the that thing and, cool. and uh, kind of just seeing, and this was a lot more kind of spread out. Like, and it's an interesting, it, it's kind of throwing me like city of Bane. I'm kind of stumbling over my words. Cause I'm like looking through the comic. Cause of course you gave me a preview of this and I kind of read it. So I'm just trying to flesh out where we really are in this, but it was kind of, it's kind of more of a sprawling crime saga than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be like a lot more comic booky, but it does have the feel like Tinian is like kind of laying out really and delving into like what Gotham is, like what Gotham's underworld is in the different parts of it and kind of seeing how Joker supersedes all that and kind of steps over all that. But um, underneath it, setting the stage for like a lot more things and, and widening Batman's universe, like he kind of said he was going to do. Yeah by fleshing out a lot of Gotham's underworld and the intrigue and spreading the focus around. So yeah. that was kind of interesting. The shiny suit, like, you know, 
we we've kind of deflated a lot. I've done a lot of articles on the shiny suit and we've deflated all that. Um, so it's nothing to be too concerned about. I, don't, I won't, it's not a spoiler since a lot of this is out there and they're just yeah. quite straight out saying it, but no, this isn't some weird shiny suit change for Batman. You don't have to freak out, go back and read the preview pages. It's pretty clear, like how that kind of factors into the story. So, and this yeah. issue kind of makes it very clear. Like what well, it's more of a, you know, it's metaphor, more of a metaphor. Really. Yeah. than anything. And, and, uh, you know, when we talked to uh, Batman editor uh, Ben Abernethy about it, you know, it was kind of like it has one purpose, like it has one main purpose that, you know, will kind of be revealed later on. But I imagine it won't go any further than that. It's that thing he aspires to that. Honestly, he didn't even know because Lucius found it in the computer system. So he didn't build it. Lucius thought he had made it, but it was put there. And that the, the mystery around like who put it in the system and thinking like my pitch obviously is thinking it's Alfred and, it, and we're going to get a call back to that at some point because Alfred's death is still a big part of mm-hmm. Bruce's uh, whole thought process and everything in Joker War and it will continue to be. Um, but, I, but I agree with you. I love the whole part about, you know, all the things that he's been setting as far as like all the gadgets that make Batman, all the, all the money, all the resources and everything. Like that's not what makes Batman. You're starting to see that deconstructed in this issue. You're starting to see Joker piece by piece take all that away and what do you have left? And Batman's kind of become reliant on a lot of those things. Uh, so that, that I'm actually excited to get to that. Like once we, at the end of all this, that Batman, because you know, I'm interested to see like what he can do there. And I hope it's a big change. Jim, what do you think? Yeah. My biggest concern is how long this is potentially going to draw out because I don't know how long of a story this may need to be. Um, and I think for me, for me, one of the biggest, like I haven't, I haven't been too hot on uh, Tinian's Batman run, um, but I, you know, 100% love uh, Jorge Jimenez and his art. Man, gosh. But, but I, but I can, now I can't remember is if um, Maury has always colored him because it just doesn't feel as, um, it doesn't I, pop is the wrong word, but it just I felt like some of the the whoever colored him on Justice League or whatever I felt like just was a bit more exciting. And so for for me here, like there's there's a, a bunch of pages that just have awesome composition that I feel kind of get muddied up by by the coloring. Oh, interesting. Um, but but no, I mean I'm all I'm here for Jorge Menezes art. It, like he is. That sequence where he's hanging outside of the building oh, is so and, great. And it's like the goggles are all green. And then like you segue to like him, like swooping in like, oh, that looks so good. Mm-hmm. Looks so good. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. Um, yeah. And I don't remember who was coloring him on just like, um, yeah. Uh, but okay. Yeah. And I mean, dark designs was seven parts, which was yeah. too long. It could have been <laughs> it could have been trimmed. Well, that's what it, and that's what I mean, right? Like, like that to me felt really long, and I feel like this is going to have to be longer than that. And if that's the case, I may like have to just check. In uh, I don't because, know because they've already teased what comes after, and I don't. Oh, yeah, think it's yeah, I don't think it's that long. I think it's like six parts, maybe. Yeah, and and you know, I'm good yeah, for that. Like, now. I think the setup was stuff. a long part, and this yeah. is like a quick part. So cool. All right, so that's Batman Joker War beginning. Uh, kind of an, uh, I mean, not bad, but off. I mean, a weird start, I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about Marvel's Empire, the kind of big summer event they have, which 
kind of for me falls into another category of being kind of a weird, much weirder than I thought it was going to be because this was kind of hyped as the big Cree scroll Alliance coming for earth. And, and that sounded interesting, but I feel like there was like a little bit, I mean, I didn't, I don't get into comic event advertising as deep as some, <laughs> I didn't read beyond that, but that that's what was advertised. Like a little, you know, was it a little bait and switch for bait you? And switch for me. Yeah. 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 I agree. So I, I just wanted, since I'm not like an expert on this, I just wanted to make sure I'm not crazy, but yeah, empire seems to have pulled this weird bait and switch on me. And it's, it's not that I dislike it. Um, I, I like these new, they're not new, but they're kind of making them new. The uh, How do you even say their names? Because I always feel like I'm being like culturally insensitive. Uh, like is it call the them, like, Croatians uh, or something like that? Is it the, is it the Koa Tati? Is that how you say it? Am I butchering that, Jim? Nah, it's close enough. All right. I think that's how, I, I think that's how you say it. I've never heard it said out loud, yeah, so I have no like, clue. <laughs> I always like almost finding myself saying something like Croatia, and I'm like, that is so not right. Like, what? <laughs> the like, plant people. The plant the, people. The like, plant yeah. people. <laughs> oh, Co- Cotati. The Cotati. I added yeah, an extra in there. Sorry. The yeah. So the Cotati. Um, the Cotati are these plant people uh, that, you know, have this deep, dark history with both the Kree and the Skrull empires. Um, they weren't, like, major Marvel characters before, but they have been in. There's been stuff with, like, Swordsman and Mantis and their kid. Uh, and I never got into that stuff before, so I wasn't thrilled to find this is what they're recycling for this storyline. <laughs> um, because the intrigue to me was, again, these former empires that were part of these very famous storylines and them coming for earth and the combined effort of them for once was like the big hook for me. Uh, now we have the invasion of the plant people and it's basically just secret invasion over again, like, which is what I feel like. I mean, I feel like this is secret invasion in both setup in, and the way that the story's playing out and very kind of, because Secret Invasion was cool in concept, but the actual execution of it was like every main issue was kind of like very just checking in with this very fragmented crossover story that was spanning all these books and had all these tiny little yeah. stories in it. And then so like reading the main issues was just kind of like the skitzed out experience of being like, <laughs> what? Well, and be like, yeah, but this thing happened over there. Read these five books over here. Yeah, but now we have the gobbledygook. And like, now <laughs> the scrolls, and we're like, okay. Well, like, and I feel like that's this. And so, I mean, I'm going to be honest. For something that was like about the Avengers and the Fantastic Four and this mega history between these two famous things, it's, it's just kind of quickly fallen flat for me after three issues. Well, I kind of reveal at issue three and I was just like, am I supposed to remember? (laughs) Well, I agree with you though. Cause like, that's the biggest reason why the main series is the most boring part of this event. I actually have enjoyed the tie-ins a lot more because they hone in on like one specific aspect. And most of the ones I'm going to mention, uh, highlight that stuff. It's the Cree scroll stuff that we were kind of sold on that. That's what, you have someone who's now a king who was not of royal station or anything like that. You know, Hulkling's just been a hero, right? And he's now Basically thrust into this. Bro. Yeah, right. And he's been thrust into this king status and he's trying to unite these two, you know, like sides that hate each other. And that stuff's interesting. That's why in um, uh, Emperor Hulkling, uh, that whole issue is really just about Hulk and like Wiccan and his and how he balances like or approaches his relationship with Wiccan and keeping those tethers to earth and now trying to be this leader 
uh, and save these, you know, two people, right? And that's really interesting. Uh, the X-Men book uh, had some, like, yes, it dealt with the invasion stuff, but it also... Yeah, then they have some pretty big, I mean... The Scarlet Witch thing was pretty nuts. Right, like, yeah. They uh, basically just made Marvel zombies canon. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Captain to Marvel. Explain, well, we should probably explain that. So in the Marvel X-Men one, there's, there's stuff that ties into this whole thing with the Kotati. But um, one big development is that is, it starts off with Scarlet Witch trying to uh, make amends for the fact that she kind of caused M-Day and did this whole thing in Doctor Strange through actual kind of cause and effect explanation that made sense to me more than like a an MCU Hulk explanation of time was that like, you basically, you can't erase your own sins because you are the product of what you've done and you can't erase, you're not erasing you. you yeah. know, so you care for, you can't erase, you know, the impact of your own sins. So yeah. what you can do, he kind of says to her and, you know, this is good. This is pretty deep. Marvel writing was, you can, you can't erase what you did, but you can do something better to atone for other things that are wrong. And so Scarlet Witch's idea is to, get these mystical artifacts together and resurrect Genosha, uh, the 16 million mutants who were killed in Genosha, which takes a very deceased turn very quickly <laughs> because her spell does that, except with the caveat of not resurrecting them as living beings. They're, yeah. they're undead kind of zombie beings now. And so that's like that. super interesting and yeah. like not what you're expecting. No. But again, in a cool way, right? And... It, again, it doesn't deal directly with this like invading force. Yes, that's a part of it, but it's really about this other thing. Um, you know, Captain Marvel is all about the Supreme Accuser stuff, right? So it, it hones in on like the Fantastic Four, how her new position as the Accuser, what the Universal Weapon does, like all this kind of Kree and Scroll back lore is in that book. Um, and again, like yeah, we get to the big thing that they've talked about uh, with Kai Carol's sister, who is like her half sister, and she's Kree, and she's like part of the force that kind of, you know, took out this utopian city between the two. Like, all the tie-ins are dealing with really interesting facets of this series. The main series, I get bored. It's, it's, it's like Reed and Tony doing the same thing they always do. <laughs> it's it's a yeah. bunch of plot points. It's just connecting tie-ins. It's not exploring that stuff to me in a really interesting way. And so if you're going to look at this event, I mean, this is one of the rare cases I will ever say – go look for the tie-ins. I would almost get those and pass on the other series because most of the tie-ins keep you up to speed pretty quick. Well, that's the biggest thing for me is, I th and I think one of the reasons why I don't really like it is I don't feel like there's enough Avengers in this thing. It feels incredibly cosmic. It's, it's, it's very cosmic heavy and very Fantastic Four heavy. Yeah. And in a way, and like, those are two things that I just, I just don't care about. Like, not even a little bit. <laughs> See, I care about the cosmic, but yeah, I agree with you on the Fantastic Four. I've never been a thing. But then like the newest issue takes like a giant, it just like separates and goes, now we're going to focus on Black Panther <laughs> out of nowhere. And you're like, okay, where, how did yeah. we get there? It's just weird. It, that's why it feels so choppy. It feels like- Well, right. And that's what, and like this, and that's what, and it's in a way that it doesn't feel like a Marvel Universe event because so much of it is happening elsewhere. Yeah. Like, they even do that three, what, that one panel where they're like, so Captain America's over here. Uh, <laughs> this person's over here doing what they do best. And, like, they boil down, like, all these interesting things in the one page. And then we're yeah. back to the other stuff. And it's like, uh, and the big reveal at the end, like, okay, 
that I agree. That kind yeah, of feeds who, into Kofi's secret like, invasion thing. I'm like, mm. but I literally just read this like right before we started. Like, remind me who our curl is. Like, who was that? Jim, you're probably better on that scroll one lady. Um, because it's wasn't she Queen? Um, uh, how do you pronounce her name? Good. Queen Ver, Queen Ver, Queen Verenki. Yes, I'm from the House of Tyrus. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, is that on that character? Is that I think is that's that her? Who? I think I mean, that's is, who that's supposed to be. I don't. That's what I mean. Like I don't even like. I, oh, like, I she's like, like she was in Dark Phoenix Saga. Oh, so she's not. So she's not. No, right? Because Queen Verenki's dead from Secret, yeah. Secret Invasion. Yeah, but I thought so, yeah, they no, was I brought her back. Yeah. Okay, no. then yeah, oh, I, yeah I'm blind on that too. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like. Oh, yay! <laughs> but I will, I will do. Oh, she uh, was supposed to have died when Galactus ate the scroll homeworld, so she was supposed to have died there. Um, okay. But she, she, so she's like a classic scroll villain from like that era, and when Galactus, so she's supposed to. The reveal is Galactus didn't. That's why she says she's just a survivor of Galactus because he, she didn't die on the homeworld, yeah. and she's been impersonating a Kree for however long she's been doing that. So there you go. Yay. Big okay. That is, that is a, that is a, that is a deep cut. Like that is yeah. so deep. <laughs> yeah. When you get into scroll names and history, like you, you, wow, you lost me. All right. We got to get out of here pretty soon, but uh, finally I haven't gotten to these yet. I'm just getting into these, but uh, what about these two? We haven't kept up with Dawn of X, but there were two new X books. Uh, we checked in with Wolverine in the young cable series. Uh, how are Hellions and X Factor? Uh, I know um, for X Factor, I know Jamie didn't love it as much as I think he had hoped. Uh, I ended up, I didn't like, I was kind of really lukewarm on this in the first maybe four or five pages. And by the end of it, it, it got me. Like I actually like this book. I love the artwork on that book a lot. I know it's oh, a very stylized see for take. Me, see for me, David Baldion, I don't feel like is the right fit for that book. I can see that. Like, I, I'm not, I don't know if it, it is the best fit. I just like that artwork. So, I mean, yeah. like, I will say, uh, <laughs> seeing Dakin, um, this is one of my favorite interpretations of that character in a bit. I, yeah. I actually really like it. I am glad to see Dakin back. Yeah. Like, that freewheeling kind of, like, there's so many fun moments, like, where he, he messes with the pheromones and, like, uses it to get information. He's constantly like, there's more to me. Like, I'm not just a slicer or whatever, but he's, it's in a jovial way. Uh, it just com- continues to confirm that North Star is a jerk. It always, <laughs> it always has been a jerk. Uh, North Star is just... Yeah, uh, North Star. I mean, I never, but see, like, I'm reading those first few pages, and I just, I always hate North Star. Like, I never like North Star. Like, there's nothing redeeming about North Star that I like, so I'm not... And I'm this not book that. will not change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> at, at all he is that way and worse throughout the entire season. now now granted that's part of it because that's they play on that all the characters are like seriously you need to tone it down relax and it's got some great characters in it um but you know it it's i don't it won't be for everybody it won me over but i can totally see why it's it's getting a little bit of a mixed reaction what about hellions real quick uh i haven't I have not fallen in love with Hellions. Um, you would think this kind of book would be like totally my jam because it's like a bunch of obscure, <laughs> it's a bunch of obscure characters on a team, and and the whole point is that they don't really follow the rules. I don't know. This just book has not hit the right note for me. I mean, 
Do you yeah. feel differently, Jim? I wanted to like this book and I just, I like, I don't have to read it. There's yeah. nothing there that makes me be like, Oh my gosh, I gotta be reading this. It's just, it's really forgettable. And I, and yeah. I feel bad. I'm not, and I'm not trying to like cast aspersions or anything, but it's just like, I read a lot of comics every week. And this is one of the ones yeah. that like, once I read it, it's in and out. I don't, I don't retain <laughs> anything. Well, that, from that also too, like, I, I also don't feel, don't feel like it's moving the overall X-Men story forward, not which all. is why I don't necessarily know if I care as much, which you know, some people, I think some people are kind of in my camp in that friend that like the ongoing continuity story needs to be moving forward or whatever. And like, that's just my style of comics well, that I like. Yeah. I mean, it's also House of X moved so fast and did so well, much. And yeah. Like, and I just, and this, kind of this is just a, a corner of that world that I'm just, it just feels right. a little bit unnecessary. I just All right, feel so, like, yeah. No real, so no real stars in the second wave of X books yet. So no. we'll yet. watch it for you. All Although, right. has Lemuel Yu just stopped drawing backgrounds in X-Men? Because, like, I read that. <laughs> I read X-Men 10 the other day, and, like, there's, like, no backgrounds. There's, hey, like, man. full pages of just, like, weird green gradients. And I'm like, but what the, the hell's going on? But the, but the full character looks cool. <laughs> and that's all anyone's going to notice. <laughs> <laughs> that's his theory, and it, could, it works. It works all right. Me. Stop it. We're going to stop before you rag on people. Matt, give I us the new comics. Give us other new comics coming out this week, and then uh, throw to your interview. Uh, yeah, so um, we, we talked about most of them, but uh, I will go over a couple of these because uh, one of them is actually not from this week, but it's from last week, but still really worth uh, shouting out. Ranger Slayer, uh, one shot is the Power Rangers kind of go back to the Drakenverse. Uh, it's just one and done, but it tells a really cool story. If you are a Power Rangers fan, you can see on the website a bunch of stories about like some of the cool things we get, like a Lord Zed uh, Dragon Zord combination called the Dragon Zed, obviously. Uh, there's a bunch of really cool things like that. Uh, Long-time fans will get a kick out of this one. Um, there's also a new Wonder Woman series just uh, started. I believe it was Jenna that reviewed it, uh, had wonderful things to say. The Wonder Woman uh, line has kind of been in limbo since Greg Rucka left, really. It's, it's never really quite found its footing, and now it's got a new creative team and uh, a team that has done some really cool stuff uh, in the young adults line, and it's getting rave reviews. So definitely check that out if you've been looking for a new DC book. Also, uh, two, uh, actually three uh, books that are just starting with number ones that you should maybe give a look are Grit number one, Hedra number one, and Lost Soldiers number one. Um, I've heard really good things about those last two. I have not personally had a chance to check them out, but I have on good authority that they're quite good. And you can check out our full reviews on comic book. Uh, but for Grit, if you want a, the, the tagline for it is Southern Fried Witcher. And it's, it's exactly that. Like, it's like this monster hunter, but it's like this weird mix. Like if, if the Witcher took place in the South, and there was a bunch of like even more supernatural stuff in it. It's a weird, it's a weird book, but I, I kind of dug it. So definitely check that out. Um, so that's comics for this week. Uh, and then of course I had the chance to speak to Final Fantasy VII Remakes, uh, the voice of Aerith, uh, Brianna White. And uh, we talk all about uh, the game, uh, how she got the role, uh, some of the cool things that fans uh, have, son, uh, have said and done uh, since the remake came out and some of the big story changes for her character and the world. So definitely check that out hey folks matt aguilar here from comicbook.com and today i have a very special guest i have brianna white who is the voice of Aerith in final fantasy 7 remake how are you today i'm feeling good oh my god so uh is it still before we kind of get into other things is it still surreal to have like that 
that's your intro now. Like that's your permanent intro. Still messes with my head. I, I don't <laughs> believe it's true. I really don't. If I'm stoked that it is, but I still don't believe this is the reality I get to live in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of cool. And uh, I mean, it's an, an iconic character. Uh, one, congrats on not only the praise for the character, but also praise for the game. The game has sold a ton of copies and people are, are liking it. And uh, so, yeah, congrats very much across the board. Thank you. I'm very excited that the game is being received so well. And uh, I think with all of the chaos in the world right now, you know, there was a lot of concern about how we would get this game into people's hands at all. Um, so for it to be received so well and, and almost um, be so uh, crucial for people during this tough time, I mean, it's been an absolute joy just to see. Yeah, well, and, you know, were you a big, because um, I know you're a big gaming fan, uh, were you a big fan of the Final Fantasy franchise in particular? Had you played the original game before? Because I know all this took place, I, I think you had said you got cast like five years ago uh, for the No, world, that was like that. Erica Lindbeck that said that. Ah, uh, gotcha, okay. Yeah, so was she like, was in the 2015 trailer. So she was brought onto the project very, very early on and then had wow. to just hold on to that in her heart for a really long time. <laughs> felt so bad for her. I didn't have quite as long, but it still felt like a lifetime. So I had never played the Final Fantasy VII game when it was new. And uh, when I got brought on to remake, I had some time and I could have played the original. I chose not to specifically because I didn't want it to be too much like I was trying to copy that Aerith. Um, I wanted the collaboration of the team members to be a bigger part of Aerith's character in Remake. So it, it was a purposeful choice. And since then, I've gone back to play it. So I'm really enjoying it. I'm in the middle of it right now. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're playing it now. And that honestly, that's actually probably more interesting uh, as far as comparisons go, because now that you're playing that, you know, I guess what is it? What is the feeling kind of seeing that stuff? Because there are changes that the remake made uh, both in, in ways to the character, but also just in general. Uh, what's it been like experiencing that? Is there anything that kind of sticks out to you? You know, I usually describe it as it is exactly the inverse experience of someone who played the original and then gets to play remake. So it, it, it's, it's almost like a funhouse mirror effect <laughs> because I know, I, I did a lot of research when I first got brought onto the project. You know, I had seen certain cutscenes in the game or I had seen certain playthroughs or, or I, you know, learned a lot about the characters in the script. So I knew of it quite a bit, but I had never actually played it. So it's those little details that were lost on me, those, those little scenes that really make the game so beautiful and unique uh, that, I, that I was not privy to. And so when someone is, is familiar with the original source material and then plays Remake and gets to see what things were tinkered and changed and adjusted, I have the exact opposite experience it's <laughs> yeah. very surreal it's very strange well you know and and it's got to be um a little you know surreal is actually probably again the the best description uh because like you shared uh your first like getting to see Aerith on screen in the final production uh for the first time and that uh, went viral and understandably so because you know it was such a genuine 
uh, reaction and, and it gives people and fans a chance to see, you know, just kind of see all that from a very personal perspective because like game development is kind of a closed wall thing where you don't, you don't really get to see a ton other than just kind of very purposeful snippets and seeing that through a person's eyes, uh, you know, really affected people. Is it weird kind of getting people reacting to that and sending you messages of, uh, you know, like you're the best Aerith or, you know, your Aerith really resonated with me, like those kinds of things. Is it, is it kind of surreal, but also awesome? Well, yes, of course it's surreal, but also awesome. I would say that there's a little bit of a difference between um, the messages that I receive when people finish playing the game or even just when people played through the rooftop scene, which comes pretty early on in the game. And people reached out to me, started reaching out to me right away saying, oh my gosh, that was just how I envisioned her. Or it's a little different than how I envisioned her, but I love it. Um, so so those, those types of messages are so close to my heart. And then when my video went viral, which I did not expect at all. <laughs> I got a completely different set of, of messages and all positive, which was wonderful. But I think that there are people who really latch onto the character and the game and the direct material in it. And then there are people who responded to just the feeling of when you've worked hard so hard for something and then to see it come to life, to see your dream come to fruition. That is, I think what I got a huge emotional response from people with the viral video. So people didn't even know the game, play the game, have any idea who this character is, who, who I am. And they still responded to some emotional core of that moment. And it, it's, it was universal. And I did not expect that at all. I, I didn't think anyone who didn't play the game has no interest in gaming would have any interest in that video, but it really struck a chord. Well, and it's amazing. The internet surprises you in positive ways. <laughs> Sometimes it is possible. It is possible for that to happen. Um, you know, one of the, one of the most interesting uh, and, and, personal, uh, to me anyway, uh, best uh, duos in the game is you, is Aerith, you, is Aerith and Cloud. <laughs> That's going to happen a lot. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> is Aerith and Cloud and, and their relationship. And there are times, and I imagine I'm not the only one uh, that said this, but there are times where I was watching things play out. I'm like, God, like, why does she put up with him? He's kind of a jerk. <laughs> He's kind of a jerk to her. Like, he especially, right. He's yeah, a jerk like, to oh, everyone. True. He is a, 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 like, equally a jerk to everybody across the board. He's uh, very fair in that. Yes, exactly. But, and it's like having this, like, bright sunshine next to this, like, really, no pun intended, brooding cloud sometimes. And then you see, you know, and, and I guess one of the things, too, um, you know, as you were figuring out this character and, and trying to find that voice and things like that, uh, what is the thing that, you know, Aerith sees in, in him, you know, that just from a base, like I just met you type of thing, not maybe putting into account some of the storyline stuff with, you know, alternate, you know, universes and maybe seeing how things play out, like kind of all that aside, just as a person to person, what is it that Aerith sees in him initially that she can kind of get through some of that gruff? 
So I think that I, I love all of the, you know, theories that are coming out about remake, <clears throat> but not a lot of that plays in as an actor because it's almost always a stronger choice to just play person to person. Like you were saying, it's, it's almost always a stronger choice and it's important narratively too, because you don't, you don't need to clue in anybody about anything further than this realistic moment between two characters right here. And so I think what I sort of interpreted and, and the team and I kind of talked about is Aerith is the type of person that just isn't phased by, you know, cynical attitudes. She has this deeper core of trust, faith, hope, whatever you want to call it, in the good in people. And so she has that very deep foundation of loving all life and all people because of that. So, you know, it's kind of like there's a storm on the ocean but she's way down deep and the, the storm on top doesn't face her. So Cloud can be as moody and broody as he wants and Aerith is still going to love him because that's who she is. Uh, now that you're playing the original game, you probably see this uh, a lot is the fact that in that original game, while Cloud is kind of the central piece to the plot and all those other things, the characters that people seem to really bond with are Aerith and Tifa. And I imagine you've seen all kinds of comparisons fly online of like, who's their favorite, this and that, especially with remake kind of expanding in a lot of ways, Eris story. Um, for me personally, it was always, you know, I, by the end of it, I always ended up kind of being a Tifa person. I just always kind of gravitated to that character more. And I have to give you immense credit because uh, Aerith is now one of my favorite characters and it's this particular version of Aerith that just feels uh, there's just a warmness and a charm and, and it's just it's so it's just a fully fleshed out character so I'm curious as to you know do you get that a lot uh, online with kind of people you know saying like yeah I used to like this character more but you know that kind of thing do you get that comparison a lot yeah I hear that from people a lot I hear you know I was a strict Tifa only kind of person. And then, you know, Aerith, I've, I've fallen in love with her a little bit more because of Remake's iteration. I hear that a lot. I hear even, you know, I didn't even really like Aerith at all until Remake um, because she does have sort of a wholeness in this version. Um, but Aerith is a character that's been seen a lot in many different iterations. So she wasn't just in Final Fantasy VII. She was also in, you know, Crisis Core and Advent Children. Her character has changed a lot through these iterations. And um, so Remake kind of provides a whole picture that honors where she's come from, but also adds a modern flair. I love that about her. And, and that's one of the things that came up very early on because I even had this idea of Aerith, you know, that she's just very angelic and a flower girl and there's nothing else to her really, but that's not true at all. And so very early on, the team and I would have very intense discussions about we're, we're not going to go with that. that. That's not enough for this. And so we really fleshed out her character, but 
Also, Tifa got fleshed out, right? So Tifa is a whole character too. And she has all of these beautiful qualities about her. She is so passionate, but she's not angry about it. She's just, it's like her whole heart opens up when she becomes passionate about something. And she also has this like gentle warmth to her. Whereas Aerith is a little bit more playful. So when people say, you know, I really like Tifa or I really like Aerith, that's great. Love with them all. Everyone should get love. And I think that that's actually one of the beautiful things about Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VII Remake and sort of just all of the modern Final Fantasy games, in my opinion, since I've played 14 and 15 is that they give you something to love about all of the characters. You should play the game and love all of them. You should see the beauty in in all of them. I think it's written that way. I think that, you know, you could you could love all of the characters. And that's one of the reasons why I love that Jesse is come in and become another best girl, right? No, so absolutely. so all of the characters are written so that you love them the most. All of them. <laughs> well, there's a um, there's a scene uh, towards the end, um, and I'm just curious as far as like kind of process because I know um, you know these things are written uh, you know very intricately, like you know like you've uh, mentioned, and there's a lot to this. So you know some of that is kind of in front of you, but um, there's a scene towards the end where uh, Aerith is reacting uh, to this portal. Uh, opening up and you know you see an, a conf, a confident quiet confidence uh in Aerith the whole game just about and it's really like there's only a few moments where that kind of breaks down and this is one of those moments where like she pulls cloud back and you there's fear and it's rare you don't you don't see that um and it's just one of the coolest scenes it's one of the most you know honest scenes uh for that character can you tell us a little bit about you know kind of finding in those scenes, kind of trying to find that uh, vulnerability. Uh, and how many tries does that kind of thing take? You know, is, is it kind of just you go with the most honest thing right away and that's what, that's what gets put in? Uh, or, you know, are you trying a few different things to try and find that perfect mix? So that sort of speaks to the core of voice acting is acting. And so they say in acting, you always have to make a choice. And that choice can be different and it should be different each take you get. In voice acting, we do get chances to give a few different options. We do get to explore. There's not a ton of time for it because time is very pressed. But in the scenes that matter, we are given that time to explore a few different ways, a few different um, emotional levels. So maybe she's, you know, a little bit fearful or let's notch that fear up a little bit more. But I would also say that um, honoring the stakes is really important. So in any scene, you have to know how important it really is. And luckily that is given to you in the dialogue. But even if it wasn't, the, there's a very collaborative process where, you know, the director will tell you the context of a scene. They'll, they'll tell you what happened before if you didn't just record that part just before. Or they'll tell you, um, you know, what happens just ever so slightly after to tell you where 
you need to be to tell the story right. And I think that scene is a really beautiful one. And finding that vulnerability all comes from really knowing how big of a deal this, this moment is. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I know uh, that, you know, uh, obviously games out now, uh, a lot of people are kind of now hitting the ending and making their way through it. And of course, conversation turns to the next one. And I know, you know, there's these things take forever. There's of course things in development, but you know, we don't really have any idea of what that is. So kind of setting that broader picture aside, just looking at, at Aerith as a character, um, you know, you've mentioned before that it's kind of a evolution that you're, you're finding this character and, and, it, and she's constantly changing and adapting as the game, as your work in the game goes on. Um, you know, so kind of now that you have a full, uh, I guess, idea or grasp on her, do you, do you really see her changing, you know, if you, if you return to the character uh, for the next one or for any other type of project, do you really see that voice changing or do you kind of feel like, no, that's her. I, I've got her now. Um, she might change because of story things that dictate a change, but just as a core character, like she's, I've got her. You know, that's such a tough question because she has had so many iterations and she has as a character lived in people's hearts for so long. And I've only recently come into this character. And so it's a dream to be able to even think that I will continue to live in this character for more time because I love her so much. And every time I went into the booth, I had this, this pressure of, I just need to get it right because she doesn't belong to me. She belongs in the hearts of people who love her and have loved her for over 20 years. And so will her character continue to evolve? Definitely. But do you also have to honor where she's come from? Definitely. So there won't be any purposeful changes on my part unless the story demands it. Um, but there are so many different colors to her, even just in her voice. You know, she does on occasion have this very clear Disney princess voice. <laughs> and sometimes she has a very, a very breathy quality to her, you know, when she's emotional or in her quieter moments. The range that they allowed me to bring to this character allows a lot of room for different versions of her without being untrue to her character, if that makes sense. No, so, absolutely makes sense. So there's, um, lots of, there's lots of room to play now and in the future. Well, and that's, I mean, look, that's going to be music uh, to fans' ears. Uh, very excited. Um, now, taking just kind of um, out of Aerith, and, and you've even said uh, you've played Final Fantasy XV, which uh, I also uh, really dig. That That's a great game and such a cool universe. Um, is there another 
um, character within uh, the Final Fantasy franchise. It's not like there's not 20, 30 of, of them to pick from. Uh, but is there any character that kind of stands out there like, you know, one day I'd like a crack at them? Oh my gosh, to think that I would be able to voice two iconic characters, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I could even dream that big. Right now, I'm just happy living as Aerith, and, and that's, that's all I could really hope for. I haven't even stopped to think what other character I would like to voice. It's been nice to voice a character that has had many voices in the past because the fans were very welcoming to another voice because um, they're used to it. So I think if there's a character out there that, that hasn't had a voice yet, that would be really fun to give a go because um, I, I would be able to bring something completely unique and fresh to it and, and new and exciting. And I think that would be a joy. Yes. Uh, no, that's great. And there's there's a character right now uh, screaming it, me, 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 because like there's so many characters that don't get as someone who loves a bunch of uh, superhero characters that like five people like like I'm one of those. Uh, I like all these D list and E list characters. Uh, there's tons of them. And so they would they would love that, um, you know, and kind of wrapping things up because uh, I know I'm, I'm close uh, to time here. Thank you so much, by the way, for taking the time to talk with us. I've really enjoyed Thanks this. Thanks for having me. This has um, been fun so far. So uh, we are obviously comicbook.com. So it would be uh, rude, I feel like, rude of me uh, to not ask, you know, there are uh, a ton of, I mean, if there's Final Fantasy is a giant world, uh, the world of superheroes is also equally uh, as massive. Um, and you have DC, Marvel, and all these cartoons and all these games and everything like that. Is there a superhero character that um, is on the bucket list for you? That if things work out and you're, you have an opportunity to kind of play in another sandbox, uh, is there a character that you're like, oh, I would love to try that? I... I don't know about that one. That one's super tough. You know what I would say to that is that I would love to play a villain. Ah. I, I would just love there. I honestly feel like everyone wants to identify themselves as a hero. And so heroes are easy to identify with and they don't have to be so well-rounded all the time. They can be a little bit one note and still be loved, right? They can still be exalted. I mean, who's Superman, right? He's like a Superman. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, sorry, don't be mad at me. I love Superman, it's great. No, 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 it's no great. hate from here, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but the villains have to have more backstory to be relatable. They have to be more of a of a full character for people to love them just as much. And so I'd love a crack at a really well-rounded full character villain. That would just be a dream. Yes, that is, we endorse this completely. Uh, and Superman fans, relax, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Don't be mad at me, I'm so yeah, sorry. <laughs> you're fine, you're fine. Uh, well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this and congrats on all the success. And we can't thank wait you. to see what you do in the next one. And uh, for comicbook.com, Matt Aguilar here, peace out. Right. We want to thank Brianna Wright for coming on the show and sitting down to talk with Matt about Final Fantasy VII Remake. If you guys haven't played that, I don't know what you're doing with quarantine life. Um, 
yeah, get in those. You need some good games right now. I'm I'm stuck on The Last of Us and just <laughs> finally playing that. But uh, that's not good for your psyche right now. I'm learning. Uh, <laughs> that was a wrong yeah, game not to get so, into. Not so lighthearted. Well, part two's part two's about to arrive on my door, and that will make me feel better, right? Right. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. We are happy to be here to kind of offer you some good geek-tastic talk as we continue through these uh, quarantine lockdowns and such in this crazy year. If you're just now getting into the show, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. You can also subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist. You can go on the comicbook.com YouTube page and find video or watch live every Wednesday and Friday when we air new episodes on Facebook. If you want to talk to us about anything, you can always find us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. I'm at Jim Viscardi. And if you are just getting into the show and you are liking it, please go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review on the show page because one fine day when we are back in our studio, we are going to have to clear out our kind of – because we bought merch for like a whole year and we haven't used any. <laughs> so we have to clear out that room. And we're going to be sending out some t-shirts to all our loyal fans who kind of left their love and uh, support on our Apple podcast site page. So go on there and leave a five-star review because when we get back, we read the reviews on the show. And if we read yours, we give you, send you a free t-shirt. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys as always as tuning in. Stay connected. Stay healthy out there. And join us when we are back again for our next show. We'll see you then. Peace. See you. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>